Welcome to the EAU podcast. In this edition, we have Dr. Bella Coves, a member of the EAU Guidelines Panel for Urinary Infections, discussing the changes in the guidelines relating to recurrent urinary tract infections. What has changed in the guidelines chapter of recurrent urinary tract infections? We performed a systematic literature search until June 2021. And based on this search, we updated basically the whole chapter. We included new recommendations for many of the approaches where we didn't have enough evidence in the prior guidelines to give recommendations. What does this mean? Now urologists have more options to choose from or should they use all the recommended preventive measures for all patients? Women with recurrent urinary tract infections or UTIs are not a homogeneous group of patients. They might have very different risk factors behind their susceptibility. And most frequently, even a single patient has multiple risk factors as well. Therefore, clinicians have to individually make a prevention strategy from the available methods based on the patient's own risk profile. Are there any general rules or recommendations on how to build up this prevention strategy? There are some general rules or suggestions clinicians should uh, always consider. First, I would say that the diagnosis of recurrent UTI should be based only on positive urine cultures. And this is important because many different diseases can present with very similar symptoms. Many patients, for example, with bladder pain syndromes are mistreated as having recurrent UTIs. Second, as I said before, patients have very different risk profiles leading to recurrent infections. Therefore, doctors need to establish risk profile and identify all uh, risk factors with detailed case history and investigation. Now, some of these risk factors are permanent, of course, like a genetic predisposition or hormonal changes in postmenopausal women. And some factors are more or less temporary, like a damaged vaginal flora, use of an intrauterine device, uh, sexual intercourse-related recurrent UTI or low fluid intake. And as a general rule, Removable risk factors should be eliminated and the remaining factors addressed with combined methods tailored to the patient's risk profile and and lifestyle. Another important general rule is to always try to use non-antibiotic measures first and only start antibiotic prophylaxis if the non-antibiotic approaches have been failed. In my practice, I only use primary antibiotic prophylaxis in very severe cases with very frequent recurrences or when the patients have uh, very robust symptoms leading to high psychological distress. Finally, it is also feasible to move from the non-invasive options toward the more invasive approaches. What are the most important updates for the specific preventive approaches? Are there any changes regarding lifestyle advices or behavioral modifications? Increasing daily fluid intake is an old wisdom. However, we didn't have proper evidence for a formal recommendation until now. But there is a very nice paper by Hutton from 2018 showing the benefit of increased fluid intake in premenopausal women who are low uh, volume drinkers. So if we included a formal recommendation about this. Any updates about the use of topical estrogen? In postmenopausal women with recurrent UTIs, Topical estrogen admission is beneficial and it is a very important part of the prevention strategy. Now, we changed the recommendation from weak to strong 
because the evidence is very solid here. So now we recommend local estrogen for all postmenopausal women with recurrent UTIs. And just as a note, we're talking about local estrogen. Oral estrogen admission is not recommended for this purpose. What about immune active prophylaxis? The evidence here is very clear, so we didn't change our recommendation. It's still a strong recommendation for the use of immunoactive prophylaxis. Are there any changes about prophylaxis with probiotics? Well, this is a bit messy area, I would say, because the general idea is that a damaged vaginal flora increases the susceptibility to UTIs because a healthy vaginal flora has a very important role in keeping the perineal and gut flora in control with many different mechanisms. Long or multiple antibiotic treatments can damage the vaginal flora, often even caused by the antibiotics prescribed for the acute cystitis episodes. This leads to a damaged vaginal flora, which consequently leads to more frequent cystitis episodes with more antibiotics and we have a vicious circle. Therefore, keeping the vaginal flora healthy or regenerating a damaged vaginal flora is very important. There are different ways to achieve this and using probiotics is one of them. Previously, there were debates because studies showed very different efficacy and some of them couldn't show a beneficial effect at all. But now we know that not all lactobacilli strains are effective for this purpose. And if we look at the data with effective strains, then the beneficial effects uh, become clear. Although we are still not sure about the optimal route of admission or uh, the proper treatment duration, but at least we can give a weak recommendation for the use of probiotics and vaginal flora regeneration in general. There have been many discussions about cranberry in the last decade. Do you have any updates about this? The evidence and guidelines recommendations regarding the use of cranberry are a real roller coaster, I would say. Because a Cochrane review from 2008 found it clearly beneficial, then the 2012 Cochrane update didn't find any significant uh, benefits at all. And we have many newer meta-analyses since then with very different results, but most of them find cranberry effective at least to some degree. Now, we even have publications about the publications about cranberry. These differences most probably come from the very different clinical and methodological heterogeneity of the studies and from the different active ingredient contents. And because of these conflicting data, we couldn't give a recommendation in the last guidelines version. But since newer meta-analyses tend towards a beneficial effect, we decided to re-include the recommendation of cranberry as a weak recommendation. Although we are still not sure about the real efficacy of cranberry products, but the favorable benefit to harm ratio makes it reasonable to include it in the prevention strategy. Do you have any new data on demonos? Although we still have limited number of studies and they are relatively smaller ones, yet they show a beneficial effect, at least in some groups of women. Therefore, although the conclusions we can draw from this evidence is still somewhat limited, we changed the chapter to give a weak recommendation for the use of demonos. 
However, patients should be informed about the limited nature of this recommendation. What do we know about endovesical installations for patients with recurrent UTI? We have a growing number of evidence supporting the use of hyaluronic acid installations or the combination of hyaluronic acid and chondroitin sulfate for the regeneration of the glucosaminoglycan layer in recurrent UTIs. And this makes sense since we know that the GAG layer has an important antibacterial property as well. And we also use this approach in other forms of chemically induced or, or irradiation cystitis. So we think there is enough evidence to give a weak recommendation about the use of such endovesical installations where less invasive preventive approaches have been unsuccessful. Of course, we need further studies to establish which patients benefit the most. My last question is when to use antibiotic prophylaxis. We can use antibiotic prophylaxis as a continuous low-dose approach or as a postcoital prophylaxis, depending on the patient's risk profile. We have no change in this recommendation. This is very effective, of course, but again, we should only use antibiotics if other non-antibiotic approaches have been failed. Thank you for joining Dr. Kovez for this episode of EAU Podcast on the changes in the guidelines relating to recurrent urinary tract infections. For further information on the EAU guidelines on urinary infections, please visit our website www.euroweb.org forward slash guidelines. Further podcasts will be posted regularly on EAU guidelines topics. For more EAU podcasts, please go to your favourite podcast app and subscribe to our EAU podcast channel for regular updates.